I am Scott Challoner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. It is a cool, refreshing morning here in the capital, and I'm delighted to say that alongside me on today's programme is David Areira, Director of Property Management and Asset Management at Areira Mendoza, a respected full-service property practice with an immensely strong reputation. Uh, David, thank you for joining us on the programme, and it's a pleasure having you with us. Oh, it's, a, it's my pleasure. And uh, hello to everyone and hello to all those that are listening. Very happy to be chatting to you all today. Absolutely. And um, we're, of course, having this conversation at a time where the property industry at large is really feeling the effects of the last 19 or so months with the uh, the COVID-19 situation. So just to sort of ease into the discussion, David, how has the pandemic sort of affected operations within your business first and foremost? Well, actually, it's it's an interesting question because I kind of think that the pandemic not only has changed the way in which people are working in the workplace because so many people are still working from home, as obviously we know, but there has been a massive change in the way in which the property market has been affected the, at every conceivable level from occupation from legislation uh, in that government have made it clear that landlords are not able to evict commercial tenants. That moratorium has been extended now until March 2022. Mm. That puts a lot of landlords and a lot of small property companies into tremendous difficulty, not to mention small pension funds, which I'm happy to come back to in a sec. But there has been such a grave difference Um, And I think one of the things that people don't realize is actually property is only a commodity of social living and working. So when the social climate changes of either living and or working, property therefore needs to be flexible to meet the needs of what the social climate is of at any time. And it kind of moves into so many different areas where people are affected. Uh, Certainly, if I look back over the past 18 months, the initial lockdown one, as is known, um, was just really capped in the headlights, I think, for everybody. No one knew how long we would be in lockdown for. Mm. Therefore, no one knew how long shops and offices would be closed for. Um, But it put a lot of pressure on, I guess, delivery of services for people. Um, it, it, it put pressure on building because you, you know, we were running empty buildings. We had to make sure the buildings were safe for health and safety reasons. You know, lift engineers, electricians, health and safety consultants still needed to visit buildings to make sure that they were safe. And then the other thing that we have now which I don't think we would have had 50, 60 years ago, is we have mixed-use buildings. So certainly in in central London, there are many buildings that have offices, and above those offices are residential. So you have people that are living and working in the same buildings because buildings have been converted over periods of time. Um, The whole town planning piece uh, is obviously now under the spotlight from, I guess, everyone having experienced this huge change in in, in lockdown. 
So it, it, it's so many changes have occurred. And I think that now, I guess, we together with our fellow professionals in the commercial property market are watching the horizons very carefully to see what is going to happen as hopefully we all emerge in a better, healthier and, and happier space than the space that we went into uh, in lockdown when uh, when it all started. So tremendous change, I think, is mm. really going to be the answer. Um, and there needs to be tremendous change to work within the environment on on the way in which people are living and working. Absolutely right. And with the proliferation of sort of hybrid working patterns, working from home as well, we're seeing several businesses jettisoning their commercial premises and essentially going fully sort of remote as well. And that's going to have a knock on effect on the commercial real estate market, isn't it? Very much so. So I think where we see now certainly pockets around the city of London, um, where you have very large buildings, which are multi-tenanted, um, it's very difficult to make those buildings, I guess, COVID safe, where you know, you've got you know, 40, 50 story buildings where you can only access the space going in a lift. Is it safe to go in a lift? Uh, was it safe to go in a lift? I think was it, was it COVID safe, not, not security safe? That puts pressure on the large buildings. Then you have different varieties of, of workspace where people now are potentially wanting to be in flexible space where they can go in and, as, as we say, plug and play. Um, it, it's going to have a very, very large effect on the central London office market. There are some colleagues of ours that are saying the market will return back to normal. My question is, what is normal? What does normal look like? And to be honest, I think normal looks like what it looks like the day that, that, that you start. Uh, normal isn't necessarily going back to the old routine that people had. And I think it's interesting that Marks and Spencers, I believe, had a, and this isn't a plug for Marks and Spencers, but I believe mm. they had a one or two day sale last week on men's suits because they're not selling men's suits currently because people are not wearing suits to go to the office because, because either they're dressing down in the office because they're flexible working, as you say, a lot of people are still working from home. Um, what is that then going to do to, I guess, what has become a, a working uniform for office workers when many office workers are now going to the office on one or two days a week in their leisure wear, which is the same clothing that they would have been wearing from home. So that's going to be interesting because that will put uh, a very different, I guess, social, it's back to the whole social living and working thing. Uh, if shops are not selling suits, men's suits, and clearly not selling what would be you know, formal ladies' wear or work wear because everyone's happy to, to be wearing you know, casual urban wear for work. What's that going to do to other retailers who have already clearly suffered very badly during uh, the lockdown period? And I, I don't think there's any easy answer. It's going to be, let's see where it goes. The other thing also is, and this, I guess this podcast is a wonderful example of 
how technology is able to attract and attribute new ways of working for business. Mm. Um, if someone would have said, uh, you know, to you two years ago, you're on mute, you know, we can't hear you. What does that mean? It would, wouldn't have meant anything to anyone. Uh, now, if someone says you're on mute, most people would chuckle and smile to themselves because they're used to being, you know, in a Teams meeting or they're used to being on a Zoom call uh, and holding business meetings in that way. So it, it's, it's just change. We've all experienced a tremendous change. And I think that it's now going to be how is that tremendous change going to embed itself into commercial way of working and the commercial property market, certainly around offices, moving forwards. And I think that we actually should embrace it. You know, lots of people don't like change because change becomes uncomfortable. But I think that if we embrace it and we try and work with it and we try and incorporate the the wonderful abilities of technology that, that we have surrounding us, uh, it should be added to a marketplace to enhance it. And it more than likely will just change and affect the way people work. But it's a positive thing. I do think it's positive. Absolutely. When we think about sort of businesses um, in the commercial real estate sector that are being affected, um, you mentioned, of course, Marks and Spencer is a great example there. But it even boils down to uh, the likes of Pret-a-Manger and Greg's Bakeries, doesn't it? Because these are um, essentially food retailers occupying city centre commercial spaces that rely on passing trade. And when people aren't coming into city centres, into offices to go to work, and they're not therefore going and having their lunch at these places, that also has a knock-on effect on them and another effect on the uh, the commercial property sector at large. Very much. And to be honest, uh, it, 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 it's, it's really become a big problem because in some areas, and let's say Canary Wharf as an example, which predominantly is an area populated by workers as against populated by residents. And there are many large multiples, and you've mentioned Pretz and, and Greg's and Cafe Nero's and many of those alike, who are relying on their passing trade of the literally tens of thousands of people in any normal day pre-COVID walking past their doors to come in and grab their coffee and grab the croissant, grab breakfast, and then obviously then return back again. Uh, at lunchtime and often return back again in the evening and grabbing food for, for the way home. They don't have that pedestrian flow because people are not working or many are, are still working from home. It has a huge effect. Therefore, that then has a huge effect on the landlords who are then collecting the rents from those tenants. Many of those tenants haven't been paying rent. As I said earlier, the government have extended the moratorium of landlords being able to collect rents, and that puts pressure then on, on the whole system. But one of the other things that I'd just like to bring in here mm. is that a lot of people think about, oh, well, you know, landlords, often I hear the same greedy landlords. But, but what one needs to also look at is many landlords are also private pension funds. And if a private pension fund has an income, of let's say three pretemongers or four or five you know, food retailers who haven't been paying their rents because they haven't been trading, 
How do then the people who are living on their pensions through their investments, which yeah, is a very fair way to be living because as I'm sure uh, mm. your listeners will know, you cannot put residential property into uh, personal pension funds. You can only put commercial property into personal pension funds. How do they survive and how do they live? And one of the big challenges that we as a business have had during the last 18 months, because we look after lots of private pensions, um, how do we ensure that these pensions have been able to collect rents in order that the beneficiaries of these pension funds have had sufficient income for distribution? That, that's a whole area that no one really talked about very much over the last 18 months. People think, you know, as I said, Landlords are huge, big, rich property companies, mm. uh, but often that's not the case. There are plenty of very ordinary people around our country who may have one property investment that they are relying on for their income. Uh, and if they have retired, and that is their only source of income, it becomes a very large challenge. So the commercial property market really is there for everybody. It's not just there for the big um, institutional property companies and the big institutional funds. It's also there for many ordinary Mr. and Mrs. families that have got small investments that are relying on on, on their income. Mm. And when we think about a sort of declining footfall, could we therefore see a change facilitated from prime high street then to sort of prime logistics? And a good example of this, of course, is that Ocado, one of the largest UK supermarkets that has become far greater and more popular during lockdown, it's entirely logistics-based, isn't it? It's an online business. It only comprises of distributing centres in the commercial property that it uses, and it doesn't have a commercial shop front in the, uh, the UK. And any sort of wholesale move from the industry towards sort of that format, if you will, that's also going to have quite a large knock-on effect for commercial property, isn't it? Yes, Scott, you're absolutely right. And I think many people don't realize that one of the largest supermarkets within the UK actually doesn't have a shop front. And the, the way in which I believe the high streets are going to change in the future is going to be dramatic because there are lots of people that would have gone to high street for shopping five years ago for whatever items they would have gone shopping for, where now they go shopping on their laptop. They don't go shopping to the high street. Yet the high streets really have become pretty much a social hub for things that you can't necessarily get online, as in hairdressing, beauty, manicures. I'm sure many of your listeners would also have noticed lots of nail bars opening up everywhere. And obviously coffee shops and yeah, it's that kind of social interaction retailer much more than the you know, the goods retailer. And one of the other things which is also clear is as you say, the logistics market of distribution um, has I believe now become one of the primest commercial property markets um, and it's overtaken the prime levels of what retail used to be because so many of these online retailers need small logistic storage and you know there's a new buzzword now that's flying around the commercial property market which is called last mile delivery 
And last mile delivery basically says what it does on the tin. It's, you know, it is one mile delivery from hopefully where they are delivering to. So the network of delivery vans that are working for the likes of whether it be Ocado, as we've mentioned, or Amazon, or any of the other uh, online retailers, they need to be able to distribute their goods out through a network. And you know, some of the larger ones have got huge distribution sites all around the country. But there are many smaller online suppliers that have lots of little warehouses around the country, and or they are using logistics facilities within businesses that are kind of like a commercial self-storage. Um, so as an example, you know, there could be one very large warehouse in a residential area. That large warehouse is broken up into lots of smaller spaces inside that the public wouldn't see. And in that would be what we're referring to as last mile uh, delivery. And these online companies would rent much smaller space within a, a, a facility in order for them to distribute their goods. So the whole market of distribution has become so popular that industrial rents, certainly in London and the Southeast, often have nearly doubled in many locations in the last three or four years. And, you know, the online uh, retailing world has been growing clearly at rates, but lockdown and the onset of COVID has absolutely accelerated those businesses where it has reduced, as we were saying earlier, the businesses of the likes of uh, the food re the retailers that we were talking about before that are relying on pedestrian flow. The online flow has increased so dramatically that the pressure that it's put on the online retailers is to find warehouse space to store the goods in order that they can distribute um, their goods. And means people, I, I just list some names for you that no one would have heard of a few years ago. Mm. Um, um, Getir, um, Zap, uh, Gorilla um, are, are, are just three um, retailers, or not retailers, but online retailers who are now taking old shop units for, that are not open to the public. They are there purely for their, their last mile distribution. And you know, these are um, kind of grocery retailers that will guarantee you delivery within, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of your order. Mm -hmm. The only way they can get you the, these deliveries is if their locations are near enough to where people are living and ordering. And that's a brand new market that's just emerging within the commercial space. And it's very interesting to watch where that's going to go. The other thing I'd like to talk about briefly also are dark kitchens. Mm. I'm sure many of your listeners are used to ordering food on Deliveroo or whatever other app they may choose to order their local or, or their national uh, retailers or restaurateurs delicacies from and what most people think is if you're ordering you know, I don't particularly want to plug any any retailer but let's say you're ordering your local pizza from a well-known pizza uh, company 
the chances of um, the delivery coming from your local pizza restaurant, Scott, is very unlikely mm. because the restaurant that you may be ordering your pizza from um, would be busy serving the customers. Certainly now we're out of lockdown. Their, their kitchens are very busy serving their own customers. You may see a couple of motorcycle bikes delivering from there outside. But if they are a multiple, and it's highly likely that they would be, they would have what is called a dark kitchen. And that means they will have a kitchen within a warehouse, um, which would be shared with many other people, um, where they have, they're renting, let's say, a few hundred square feet. Of, it's their own kitchen. So it would be like a little lockup within a larger warehouse. And that's where your pizza deliveries will come from. Now, the person who's receiving ABC pizza uh, thinks it's coming from the local high street, but it's more than likely not. It's more than likely coming from the local industrial estate where they are cooking and delivering most probably hundreds of pizzas per day, as against the shop being able to only distribute a few uh, because of the just the logistics of motorcycle collections. Um, so dark kitchens are now popping up all over the country, and most people have no idea they even exist. Mm. So again, that's a very, very big change in the way people are working and people are operating within the commercial property market. And when we're talking about sort of the demand for these sorts of units increasing with, of course, lockdown now having ended and there being sort of that more, more sort of balanced distribution now between people going into high street venues and people ordering online, the demand for this sort of space on the commercial property market is only going to go up, isn't it? So we can expect this trend in the future, certainly, to, to continue, I, I really. I think you're absolutely right. Um it, it's which is why I think I was referring earlier to the fact that property is just a commodity of social change, and you know the social change that we have experienced since lockdown has really been so dramatic. I genuinely don't think that there has been a change so dramatic in the way people are living and working and experiencing life, really. I guess since the emergence of the Second World War, which clearly also changed the whole way in which people were living and working and operating with uh, you know, a wonderful sense of freedom, I guess, from having been at war for so many years. It was a big dramatic change in the property market. I mean, department stores, as an example, yeah, were such a wonderful, big uh I guess, excitement uh, for people to go and visit a department store, um, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Now, department stores, well, many of them, you know, are struggling because people are buying online and there's no need to go to a department store to walk through, you know, a multi-floored um, arena of lots of, uh, of, of independent retailers with concessions when you actually can just click a button and, and go shopping from the comfort of uh, your armchair. So the, the way in which the, the change has been so dramatic is, I think, positive, but I just think that it's really been turbo-boosted by COVID. Um, I think this change would have most probably have happened 
over a period of maybe five or seven years. And actually what's really happened is we have this change over 18 months. So it's about us just getting used to what could be the new way we shop, the new way we live, the new way we work, and the commercial property market needs to adapt in order that it finds a comfort zone um, that people can work comfortably from flexible space. Mm. And that will change a lot of the way in which leases are structured. Uh, you know, we're giving leases out now between three and five year terms. Uh, you know, many years ago, you would be taking a 20 year lease as a tenant on a property. It's unlikely anyone would want to tie themselves in for 20 years because within any 20 year period, the amount of change is so dramatic, it, it puts pressure on tenants to be tied into something for such a long period of time. And I think that COVID has just identified the need and the want of flexibility. And flexibility, yeah, flexibility, um, last mile delivery and ease, I think are the three buzzwords that have identified the biggest change in the way in which people are living and, and working, I guess I'd like to say post-COVID because hopefully we're, we're on our way to better and brighter and healthier days. Mm, fingers crossed certainly and I think you're absolutely right it is a time of all change for the uh, the commercial property industry especially and also residential as well so it is going to be incredibly important and also fascinating just to see how those changes start to unfold over the uh, the next few months and indeed years um, and as those changes do start to, uh, to take shape um, as well David just lastly before we finish up on the program today um, what are some of the priorities for your business going to be as those changes start to sort of unfold around you. I think the, the changes for our business moving forward, certainly from an advisory capacity, is to understand the legislation, to understand the changes in planning, because we're hoping that we now have a much easier, and again I'll use the word, more flexible um, planning structure that allows the local authorities to move swiftly because many local authorities have been known to be very, very sluggish in the way in which they're working their planning permissions, to convert what would be old, redundant use property into something that would be flexible and to be used for tomorrow. And I think for all of us that are in commercial property, we need to be keeping our eye on what we think tomorrow is going to look like in order that we are able to create the commodity of property to be flexible and amenable to suit the needs of those in working space for offices, for those retailers who are struggling because their retail businesses are often becoming archaic because they can't compete with the online competition. And then it's also bolstering the logistics of where people need to be storing space in order that they can get them delivered to people's doors. And, and, and as we were saying earlier, uh, Scott, so many people now are used to having things delivered to their door, mm. where five years ago, many people wouldn't have even have, have known necessarily, um, certainly the elder generation, how to order online. And now I know many pensioners who 
are having their food delivered online because it saves them going to the supermarket. And if they're not able to uh, do it themselves, they invariably have you know, a friend or a carer or a family member who, who can order for them. So the, the, the rise of online shopping is, I believe, only going to continue. It's not going to uh, diminish. And everyone has to be flexible in the way in which what was the norm, as also we were saying earlier, uh, needs to change. And as I said, normal is what you get the day you get it, not what you had yesterday or the day before. Mm. Absolutely right. And I think given that adaptability has been the buzzword of the entire pandemic from a business point of view, really, hopefully we can start to see that continue in abundance as we have to adapt to these changing times. Um, David, I have to say it's been an immense pleasure and incredibly enlightening welcoming you onto the uh, the programme with us today. So thank you so much for joining us. And oh, thank you for having me. And also, um, as we start to understand more about how the property industry is changing, um, I would actually relish the opportunity to welcome you you back onto the show maybe in a few months from now just to maybe review just how some of those changes are beginning to really take shape yeah be my pleasure be delighted it was a pleasure welcoming david arreira of arreira mendoza onto today's program and for any listeners tuning in if you have been inspired by david's story and feel that you might have your own tale of success and of innovation to share then you can also apply to be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply and who knows it could be you coming onto the program with us next uh, until next time as i do after every successful program i'm off to my usual spot in the westminster arms to raise a glass to our standing leadership and to all regular listeners we'll be with you again very soon i'm sure Take care in the meantime and goodbye.